23, beginning at verse 13, we read to you, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Well, you notice the uh, first and last words of our selection here. Uh, It's the word blessed, nice little bookends, and in between those bookends we have instruction on this doctrine of blessing. So let's define, and basically our meditation today is we're going to step through some definitions, which normally doesn't sound very exciting, but if you'll consider some definitions of some words, um, you will be able to draw some good soul, uh, encouraging nourishment from what we just read. And it'll prepare you to hear the preaching of God's Word today. And we, we all need that help, don't we? So blessed, what is this word, blessed? If you were to if you were to write this out and you didn't know how how it is written here, you were given the assignment and you started off, blessed is the one who, how would you finish that? Who is the one who's blessed in, in the way that you understand what it means to be blessed? When you when you think of yourself, are you blessed? Uh, by, by what criteria do you judge your state of blessedness? What's, what's the standard? What are the, what are the marks that you're thinking of by which you judge, okay, yes, yes, I'm blessed, or no, I'm not? I mean, we hear this word a lot around us. It means to be blessed. I was at a restaurant the other day with my wife and the server. When we were leaving, he told us to have a blessed day. Well, I have in my mind an idea, but what did he have in his mind? What, is, what did he have in mind if I was going to have a blessed day? Now, how do you judge that? Um, I know I'm, I'm speaking to a group of people. Um, I suspect that you already know that you need to be careful. You, re- you recognize uh, the wrong way to judge or to think about whether you are blessed. You judge it by temporary things only, or do you judge it by things that are lasting and eternal? Do you judge your your current state of blessedness? Do you judge it by uh, the physical and material provisions only that you have right now, or do you include in your judgment spiritual provisions? Uh, I think one of the reasons the Lord gives us a, a passage of scripture like this is to uh, rebuke the soul that is clinging to all the wrong kinds of things for um, that lasting well-being. When you think of the word blessed, sometimes it's translated as happy, and that's kind of getting at the consequence of it. To be blessed means to be well, right? In some, in some ultimate lasting sense, it means to be... Uh, it needs to be made right, it may, or to be well. So how do you how do you how 
have if you have this sense of well-being and um, the contentment, the satisfaction, the happiness that flows from that well-being, how do you judge your condition in that or your state in that? So, in this passage, you're certainly going to be hanging and rebuking the soul who's judging that in the wrong way. Blessed is the one who, and everybody's got a definition. Everybody's looking for something by which they judge. Um, is it, are we judging it by the right things? I want to encourage you, before we move on from that word, uh, when you think about the word blessed, uh, I want to encourage you to always think about it in terms of cause and effect. The cause of it and the effect that flows from it. I think we really need to have that full orb understanding of the word blessing so that we're not just thinking of its effect on us, but the cause of it. Now, cause of blessing, to be blessed means to be made the object of divine favor. Let's begin, when we think about blessing, it means that you have been made the object of God's favor. Now, in other words, the object of his grace. This is what it means to be blessed. There is a granting of something to you. You couldn't have earned it. You couldn't have paid for it, of course. But God has granted his favor to you. This is the cause of blessing. So when you think, I'm blessed, I want to encourage you to think, well, that you're thinking in your mind, I have been made the object of divine favor. In some way, I have been granted the privilege of being a recipient of of a, of a kind gift from God, but also the effect. What is the effect upon you if God has made you the object of divine prayer? What the effect? You may think of this happiness, this sense of well-being, the, uh, the work of, of making you well, because God has made you the object of his divine favor. The last is the one... So, we're going to be looking at here someone who has received God's grace, they're the object of divine favor, but there's some effect, there's something that's been, what, what is it, what's the effect upon this person, or what, what is this gift that God has given to this one? So it says then, blessed is the one who finds what? Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. You want to find someone who has been made the object of divine favor? God is working upon this person for their well-being. They're wise. They've been granted wisdom. They find, by God's grace, wisdom. But we remember what wisdom is from, this own, from the beginning of this book. We know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of instruction or understanding, or discernment. The fear of the Lord is the beginning and ongoing controlling principle of true wisdom. So, you remember what the fear of the Lord is. What does it mean to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord, this is a definition that we've used. You've heard this uh, several times in the preaching here. Uh, here. Um, the fear of the Lord is our 
humble, teachable, repentant, believing, reverential, thankful, joyful, from the heart submission to the one and true holy God who gives his covenantal promise of salvation to unworthy sinners on earth. And he does this by grace alone, through faith alone, in his Son alone. That's the fear of the Lord. Worshiping, reverential, thankful, submitting of ourselves to God who gives us the promises of the covenant of grace. This is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord if I could put it more simply, it's embracing the gospel. That's, that's the fear of the Lord. This is the beginning of the ongoing controlling principle of true wisdom, embracing the gospel promises. This is the beginning and the ongoing controlling principle of true knowledge, of true understanding, of true discernment, is this, embracing the gospel promises. This is our worshiping, reverential, repenting, believing Submission of ourselves to the Lord who gives us these promises. Blessed is the one who finds the gospel. Blessed is the one who embraces the gospel. Blessed is the one who embraces and entrusts him or herself to the Savior who is preached by and promised by this gospel. That, that's the beginning of our history. That's the one who's blessed. That's the one who's been made the object of divine favor. You want to find someone who's been made the object of divine favor, who is blessed, who is who has been made well, who is being made well truly and everlastingly, then find the one who by God's grace has been enabled to embrace the gospel promises, to, who has entrusted him or herself to the Savior that this gospel promises. That's the fear of the Lord. This is the one who is found with them. That's the one who is... This is the one who gets understanding. Okay, so that's the, that's the criteria by which you need to judge whether you work with us. Notice the gang in verse 14. This gain from her, this is wisdom personified. But let's read this, properly understanding our definitions, that this is referencing the gospel, this is referencing the Savior preached by the gospel. The gain from Christ is better than gain from silver. This is wisdom. This is understanding. This is discernment. Christ's prophets won for you and shared with you the better than gold. Christ and his promises and his rewards. These things are more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with what? Nothing you desire can compare with uh, the forgiveness of your sins. Would you agree with that? Nothing you desire can compare with the wrath of God satisfies. What can you compare with that? What would you pay? What would you put on the other side of the scale and say, oh, that's equal? The wrath of God being paid. Notice it says, long life. 
Long life is, a, is, this, is one of these precious jewels. It's in the right hand of Christ, and he grants this to his people. In his left hand, riches and honor or glory. Are we speaking of temporary riches? Are we speaking of temporary glory? Are we speaking of temporary life? Well, no, of course, in this context. No, of course not. The ways of Christ, promises of the gospel, these are the ways of pleasantness, these are the paths of true and everlasting peace. And look at verse 18. The Bible is full of astonishing things. This is one of those things that ought to be astonishing and amazing to you. If you don't read verse 18 with a sense of amazement and astonishment, then you don't, you don't really, you're not really grasping the problem. But if you grasp, if you have a sense of the problem of the entrance of sin into this world, if you, have, if you can grasp something of the depth of the rebellion of Adam, for God then afterwards to come in a way that displayed patience, to come back into the garden in a way that displayed this slowness and patience with Adam and Eve, and to then speak a gospel promise to Adam and Eve, something of a promised son who would come through the woman, this is astonishing. That's, we shouldn't expect to read that. We should expect to read of, of a just pouring out of a fiery wrath immediately upon Adam and Eve. And yet here we are, offered this. This tree of life. To those who by their own works attain it? No. Path to the tree of life is for those who lay hold of Christ. It's for those who have laid hold of the gospel. This is what it is. To be made the object of God's divine favor. Life. Is this just life on this planet? Is it, is it some kind of hack for a longer lifespan? Is that what the problem is getting at? What kind of life, what kind of death is this referring to? Let me read to you, before we go to prayer here, let me read to you another proverb, and I want you to finish it in your mind, how you think it ought to be finished. Alright? It's Proverbs 10. 16, here goes. The labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages of the wicked lead to, how would you finish it? You would say the word death, right? But here's how the proverb actually goes. The labor of the righteous, and that is this embracing of the gospel. That's, that's the labor of the righteousness, of, of, of the righteous. The labor of the righteous leads to life. The wages of the wicked lead to sin. Ah, a bit of a twist at the end. But now you understand what kind of life is being referenced and what kind of death is being referenced. Alright? This death, which is the just wage for your sin against God, is referenced there. So the labor of the righteous leads to what kind of life? What kind of life? is granted by this Savior, preached by this gospel. So let, let yourself be amazed with the promises that we have in our, 
in our text before. So I hope this will be a, a good encouragement to yourself today as we pray.